Hello and welcome to the Eco Business Podcast. I'm Hannah Alcosaba Fernandez, Philippine correspondent of Eco Business, Asia's leading sustainability publication. In today's show, we are going to talk about how the Philippines can make a green recovery during the COVID era. Along with the rest of the world, the Philippines is facing unprecedented times as it grapples with an economic recession and a health crisis born out of the COVID-19 pandemic. The country stands to lose more than 700,000 jobs if the outbreak is not curbed by September. Electricity bills are soaring due to dwindling energy demand from industries while consumers work from home. Medical waste is mounting to an additional 280,000 tons a day, and farmers being unable to bring their food to market amid travel restrictions. Filipinos are bracing themselves for what the new normal would look like. Therefore, it is important to understand what our role should be during the COVID era and how climate resilience can play a part in our recovery. Will clean energy help contribute to the new normal? What can we do to manage our waste when we keep when we need to keep ourselves safe by wearing face masks, disposable gloves, and PPEs? How can sustainable agriculture help our farmers who are reeling from the impact of the outbreak? To help us answer these questions in today's podcast is a revered Filipino environmentalist, cultural worker, journalist, and politician. Our guest today was the only female senator who topped the Senate race twice in 1998 and in 2007, and the only woman to become Senate Majority Leader. She's the author of Landmark Laws on Environmental Protection, Disaster Risk Management, Climate Change Adaptation, like the Clean Air Act, Solid Waste Management Act, Climate Change Act, and the Disaster Risk Reduction and Management Act. She was a 2001 United Nations Environment Program Laureate. She was given the title of UN Global Champion for Resilience by the, by the United Nations in 2015. She also chaired the Climate Vulnerable Forum, which encompasses 20 climate vulnerable countries. At the height of the pandemic, she has been hosting a webinar series called Stories for a Better Normal, streamed live on Facebook. Here she talks to young climate activists about how the country can transition to a carbon-free future and to millennial farmers promoting sustainable agriculture at a time when food security is most at risk. Join me in welcoming one of the most influential Filipino environmental voices of our time, currently serving as House Deputy Speaker and Antique Lone District Representative, Lauren Legarda. It's an honor to have you with us today, Deputy Speaker. We've been enjoying your Better Normal webinar series, the first one on youth climate activism and another on millennial farmers. Why is it important to talk about these issues of waste management, clean energy, and sustainable farming during COVID-19? Thank you so much for EcoBusiness and your interest, Tana, in uh, promoting uh, ecological resilience, uh, especially during these times of pandemic. Uh, actually, I have been doing environmental work for many decades now. As you know, I was a senator since 1998. But since this pandemic happened, and I represent a district among 300 representatives or congressmen and women in the House of Representatives, I felt that it was um, an opportunity for me to reach out to everyone based on the laws that I enacted since 1998. So I thought of the stories for a better normal. Why? Because I'm the author and the principal sponsor of the New Norm Act, but it was renamed into the Better Normal Act, which was passed on third reading 
in the House of Representatives, but still pending action in the Senate where I belong for three uh, terms. So I believe that through a webinar series in something very simple as a Zoom session with experts and specialists, and even the man on the street, when we speak about subject matters as waste and mobility and agriculture and planting on your window seal or your background or your back farm, uh, uh, or even talking about uh, resurgence of birds and um, climate activism. There's so much to share. People always ask, oh, when are we going back to normal? You want to go back to normal uh, without waste segregation, dirtying your rivers and your lakes and um, having pollution in our streets? No, we don't want that. So it is, I, I seize the opportunity of the uh, of, of the pause that was necessary during the pandemic, ECQ, GCQ, whichever. So this pandemic has forced families, communities, and the entire global economy to focus on our most essential needs and realize that we should live simply and in harmony with nature and the environment. It's not coping with the pandemic and forget nature and forget ecology and the environment, no. So. I've always also underscored the importance of ecological solid waste management. And that's Republic Act 9003, which I authored in 1998, enacted into law 2001. And now only one fourth of the Philippine population of 108 million are actually implementing it. But still I insist it's the way forward towards a more sanitary, um, ecologically resilient lifestyle. Clean Air Act of 1999, the Clean Water Act of 2003, even backyard gardening, sustainable living, not just in the episodes of A Better Normal, because we have such limited audience on Facebook, which is a live stream on Facebook, but even, uh, all the laws, the eight environmental laws uh, that I authored, including the Renewable Energy Act, Climate Change Law, People's Survival Fund, all of these are relevant during these times of pandemic. So this COVID-19 pandemic is really an urgent call to action so that we actually put these laws into practice and to imbibe the habits that will help us have a safer, healthier, and more secure environment. As I mentioned, we have enacted landmark environmental laws and regulations over the last two decades. Yet the sorry state of the environment only shows that there are still many challenges to their effective implementation. So if there's one thing that people should learn from this pandemic, it is that environmental conservation should not take a back seat to economic development. One can only progress along with the other. And as stewards of nature, we should be accountable for the way we are using our resources, conscious that every action has an impact, whether on biodiversity or on our health, on our everyday lives, on our economy. That's my long answer to your short question. <laughs> okay. We wanted to know uh, why are you focusing on the youth in uh, what the youth are doing about these sustainable issues? Well, the youth play a huge and critical role in spreading awareness, encouraging people 
in solving the problem at hand, such as sustainability and environmental issues. And our population, um, more than half, uh, I believe, are um, 35 and below. And even those who are younger than teenage years can be taught. And that's what our law is all about. From the time they are born, to the food they eat, to what their parents do and teach them, to the toys they play, and eventually when they're teenagers, to the kind of conversations they make, to the kind of sharing they do online, to the things that they read and what they see, feel, and do. So young people's commitment to environment and sustainability have all the more become so potent with the rise of social media platforms. Greta Thunberg is an incredible example. She sparked the climate strike movement by picketing outside the Swedish parliament by her lonesome. And we know now she has grown this movement into millions and millions. The Filipino climate reality leaders who belong to the worldwide global platform of former Vice President Al Gore, who trained the Philippine climate reality leaders in 2016. They already have shared their insights and experiences in one of our episodes. Um, there are just few of those who are eager to engage their peers and their elders, fearless to speak out and ready to walk their talk. But this is just one little organization. During this time of pandemic where the youth are forced to stay, study, and work at home, we rely on digital technology on the internet so we can communicate and accomplish our tasks. Now is the best opportunity for the youth to help raise a level of awareness on environment issues and sustainability and push the climate agenda forward. Deputy Speaker, so more than a global health emergency, COVID-19 has brought about an, an economic crisis that will leave long-lasting scars for years to come. Across the globe, governments have rolled out a nine, $9 trillion U.S. dollar uh, in, re in e economic recovery measures to rebuild their economies. Uh, may we ask you, how do you think the Philippines can make a green recovery from the pandemic? I must be very honest, it would not be easy, but governments need to work out pandemic action plans that are fair and just, and particularly for the working people. We have to protect the most vulnerable. The Philippines needs a green recovery plan that will address economic, environmental, and climate resilience. And as the world responds to the pandemic, it must not just build back better and build back stronger, uh, but build sustainably in a green way and um, implementing the policies of a circular economy. We need to forge a new path, one that makes society more resilient, more equitable, healthier, and stronger. I sponsored the Better Normal for the Workplace Communities and Public Spaces Act of 2020, which was recently approved, as I mentioned, on third reading by the House of Representatives. This bill seeks to establish the health environmental and safety measures and protocols as a country adjusts to the new norm in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. This measure will help improve Philippine policies and actions in the context of the pandemic, ranging from health, environment, education, agriculture, labor, and even the industrial sector, tourism, arts and culture, and how we can all adapt and adjust to the current situation of our society.
And additionally, this bill will signify our intent to accelerate transformational change to restore the balance between human, social, economic, and natural systems. Um, what are, let's say, salient provisions of the bill? It aims to foster a just and equitable transition to a climate resilient, inclusive, and sustainable future. It details the policies governing the management of public spaces and public transport and the better norm for the education sector, e-governance, and workplaces to help stem the spread of the virus. It's a, it's a bill that's immediate. It's not uh, perhaps something for five years. In fact, it has a sunset clause. Last year's State of the Nation address included policies on cutting coal and fast-tracking renewables. But the recent address did not include any of this for the country's COVID-19 recovery plan. Um, how, how crucial do you think is clean energy for our economy to bounce back? Our aim to push for a greener recovery includes a strong push for clean energy, renewable energy. We need to invest in a more sustainable, low-carbon economy that will make us better prepared for the next challenges and disasters to come. Yes, it was not included in the bill because that would be too contentious, uh, while this would immediately impact or address the issues during the pandemic. Um, so I hope that uh, issues on coal and cutting on uh, reliance on fossil fuel could have uh, been included, but it would spur too much debate and might not even pass on third reading um, if that were the case. So um, there are provincial and city governments uh, in the Philippines which have previously passed the respective anti-coal local legislation. Uh, my own province, Antique, had already passed uh, a uh, local ordinance banning all new coal. They could not ban all present coal because we have one island, part of our province, that has a contract with a private company under the Department of Energy because they do coal mines in that area in Semirara, and they also have a coal plant there. Unfortunately, um, the contracts uh, could not be reversed, and therefore uh, the ordinance passed by Antique is no to new coal. But there have been other provinces like Negros Oriental, Guimaras, Ilocos Norte, Sorsogon, uh, which have passed ordinances banning uh, new coal-fired power plant. Um, so local governments are realizing the importance of placing a premium on people's health and preserving our natural ecosystems while pursuing sustainable development. Can you please clarify what you said about why putting in a ban on coal in the State of the Nation address was too contentious, that it's better to have a localized solution no, I meant um, if I put it in the better normal, it would not have speedily passed because discussions uh, yeah. from banning coal would be so um, tedious because not yeah. everyone thinks and feels the way I do. But then there are local governments that have banned coal. And mm. in, um, in the legislation I did when I was still in the Senate two years ago, we put a carbon price. We put taxes on coal. But it's still yeah. nothing. So yeah, yeah. I also want to introduce for the first time in the history of this country, if I may say so myself, carbon tax. That was two years ago when I was still senator. Yeah. So uh, yeah. coal is being taxed now. So this part of the train was was it part of the train law? Ah uh, no, it was. Uh, oh yes, yes, yes. Part of the the train law, but um, that was um, 
a stand uh, alone reso- uh, provision on um, on taxation for coal but the philippine coal for some reason taxation was taken out it was agreed on on the floor when i mm-hmm. saw it it was exempted so that's mm-hmm. one thing so it's still a hurdle i wish the yeah. taxes i put on coal could have been followed then it would have discouraged coal more but right the rates were trimmed down and local coal was not taxed how important is it for us to be able to uh, wean ourselves off coal our dependence on coal poisons our water our land our air it causes severe environmental and public health impact as we are experiencing a global health crisis we must look back and reflect on the actions we have made that triggered climate and environmental disaster we faced over the years if not decades this is a case for the environment uh, however the business case is equally sound we need to ensure reliable and affordable power for filipinos but more than 2 million filipinos still lack access to energy and millions more do not have access to reliable energy with the covid-19 lockdowns electricity bills have also gone up because of expensive imported uh coal and um this is um unacceptable the government must enable and encourage an energy transition to modernize the economy to reduce energy prices and to drive energy self sufficiency we have the domestic renewable energy resources in the country geothermal hydro wind solar even with battery renewable energy can reduce our prices by 30% so we have no reason to import expensive power the energy transition investment can and must be supported by the paris agreement to our nationally determined contributions and we look forward to the department of energy and the climate change commission to deliver this the rise of many renewables in many countries is not only a symbolic gesture of support to climate action but also because it is what we need today not just from a social and ecological standpoint but also from an economic viewpoint we've also seen how coal is being faced out in many countries and how many financial organizations banking institutions have said they will not lend uh to fossil fuel and that's great i wish that could happen in the philippines we're actually all bracing for the first filipino bank who can divest from coal not sure if that's anytime soon <laughs> okay um on, a, on another uh topic if um if you may if if you allow me doc uh deputy speaker um this is about a sustainable agriculture uh so metro manila and nearby provinces are under lockdown again farmers fear that their produce may not reach their markets just as some of them failed to do before uh what do you think of farm to table programs of the government and the private sector where the farmers farmers produce skip the middlemen and they go straight to markets is it a sustainable solution i think that's great in fact last april uh right when there was a lockdown i did that and i uh, urged the provincial government in my home province of antique to support local farmers by purchasing the local produce and distributing them to the poor the hungry the vulnerable sectors who needed most during the covid-19 crisis to avoid any food wastage and there was none I launched the pagkaon para sa tanan. This is the kinaray a uh, term for food for all. It was just a concept. As soon as I heard the lockdown, oh, what do we do 
with the tomatoes? What do we do uh, with all the vegetables uh, from our highlands? And we have a lot, a lot of camote, uh, name it, and we have the vegetables. Produce of our local farmers, turnips, lettuce, kamatis, tomatoes, root crops that were originally intended to be transported to nearby provinces in Panay or even to Metro Manila were instead bought by us, the governor and I um, put our funds together, personal, to buy it for one or two weeks, I think. But it could not be personal funds all the while. Then eventually, the provincial government utilized their funds to purchase what could not be distributed or transported by our farmers. And um, instead of bringing it to nearby provinces, because there was a lockdown in April, March and April, we put it in a bagsakan and um, distributed to the um, people who were rendered jobless because of the lockdown. Can't the government keep doing doing this, uh, buying the produce um, from farmers uh, in case of an extended lockdown? It's Can the not government- sustainable if it's all the time. Uh, yeah. There must be another way to transport uh, the goods by having a localized uh, marketing system. Uh, those in my province, uh, the goods coming from the highlands or the upland barangays can supply the poblacion and they can use uh, ecological transport even by foot or even uh, non-motorized transport during a lockdown. Deputy Speaker, if there's one glimmer of hope from this pandemic in the Philippines, what would it be? The pandemic and our transition to a better normal is a critical time to infuse low-carbon investments to the economy, to ensure further inclusive and sustainable development by placing the vulnerable and marginalized sectors at the core of planning for a sustainable and resilient pandemic recovery. So it is the best time to do a pause, a reset, not returning to normal, but doing the better norm, which is segregating waste at source, recycling, and composting, which is transitioning from fossil fuel to renewable energy, which is collecting rainwater in catchments so we can recycle water, which is going organic and not using chemicals so that we can have more healthy, nutritious food, like going from farm to table or even backyard gardening. I even have the Forest Garden Act pending in Congress. So it has allowed us to reset. Never in our wildest imagination did we think that there could be an opportunity for the world to stop for three months, six months, one year, and change all the bad habits that the industrial revolution has caused or all the bad policies that technology has brought in where we overextended ourselves and overused money and unsustainably used our machinery that caused pollution, that caused disease, that caused this pandemic. And so this pause, reset, caused by the pandemic, should be seized 
so that all of us could rise to do better, to act with discipline, with compassion, with consideration, not only for the people, but for environmental health, so that when we nurture nature, we nurture ourselves. So wonderfully said. Thank you very much, Deputy Speaker Legarda, for joining the Eco Business Podcast. This podcast was hosted by Eco Business and the SDG Co, a co working space for sustainable organizations in Asia. Eco Business is Asia's leading media company serving the region's sustainability community. Join the conversation by visiting eco-business.com. Follow us on social media or subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.